it's us again. And it's Shannon too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so catch up on Lazo. Already did it. Um <laughs> so let's talk about um Mira's article. Woo-woo. Um revolutionizing inquiry in urban English classrooms, pursuing voice and justice through youth participatory action research. No, youth participatory uh, yeah. action <laughs> research. Y-P-A-R. Um, so I thought the entire thing as a whole was very relevant because, um, you know, we keep getting told that it's important to teach students how to like think critically and not just like take anything that they're told for verbatim and like do research and ask questions and we're supposed to create an environment where students don't feel scared to ask questions that might even like you know lead to a conversation that kind of puts people out of their comfort zone a little bit because that's how you like find out new information and you're able to like understand and make connections so um it was interesting to see how you know like we're taught that that's important and like how much of a difference it makes in an urban setting um with students who don't really who who don't really get that type of education and they don't they're not really challenged to think critically and outside of the box even though they you know they have the capabilities we're not we don't really like see them um really like allowed to show that within a classroom and so it's our job to kind of guide them in order to start thinking that way and asking these questions and being becoming conscious of them what do you guys think i think you pretty much summed it up like um i thought it was interesting seeing each of their approach and how a lot of them like fresh out the gate as teachers had these approaches um i feel like what i learned from each of their stories was that it's best when you start the year off with these um projects yeah with these projects but like also with like these i'm I'm about to say discipline but that's not it like with these like goals i'm trying Mm -hmm. to like when you start the year off with these guidelines like this is how the classroom's gonna be set up like in mirror's class (coughs) excuse me it was a year-long project and each of them hit the same aspects of like community and race and uh student individuality like they all had these aspects in different ways like with mirror they were more like interviewing the community being a part of the community and hitting issues that mattered with them as for who was the second lady um angelica as like angelica's focused more on community like doing community service projects um you know looking at the history within their own community and then addressing issues that they want to address within their community and like the third guy looked at like history in general um and how that affects things today in a way um analyzing historical social like analyzing like social movements in history um and like he said um for two weeks our class became a space of media production and like using stuff that matters to them today like looking at how people did it in the past like sit-ins and stuff like that and like okay how can you use what you have today to do that kind of stuff today so like spending two weeks of having them like use their phones and stuff um to like 
document what they were learning. Um, I thought that was, like, really interesting because we always talk about how, like, we need to do this and we need to, like, our authority, you spread that to your kids. And Angelica talked about that in her segment. Like, the way you run things is the way they're going to take on things. So if you have that authority and you're like, this is what we need to do and, like, you know, this you know, these are the facts and stuff like that. They're also going to take that on. Um, I don't know. Like, I think it was, like, we always learn what we're supposed to do. But, like, reading it in action, I felt was very interesting. I like that. Um, well, and this is kind of something from both articles. Like, I'm going to say a quote from the Baker Bell article that I think, like, this article that we're talking about exemplifies. But um, it's, like... If we only prepare, well, black youth, but any youth, to be critical of the ways that mainstream media outlets uphold white supremacy and negatively characterize them, we miss an opportunity to illustrate the role that youth-produced media can play. Um, so basically, it's saying it's not enough to just like teach, oh, you have to be critical. You also have to teach them to take it a step further and actually do mm -hmm. the research, actually do the activism. So I like that this article gave us a way to or like a couple of different examples of how we can put it into practice and not just be like, oh, be critical, but there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, like, um, I liked how you said that because um, the Mirrors article focused on like, you know, using, utilizing it like within your classroom and like how, um, you're like, you know, like these are issues and making your students aware of these issues. I feel like the Baker Bell article like kind of discussed the issues as well on how like, the way black youth or basically anybody of color is um oh my god portrayed in the media how it affects you um reading that well, let me see did i take a quote i did take a quote from that i was like um mm, sorry baker bell i i have um, one about malcolm x oh i had the patterns and portrayals of black people in media can promote antagonism toward the black community promote exaggerated views of black people related to criminality and violence and reduce attention to structural and other big picture factors that affect the black community such as racial inequalities and like this shows like the way black people and that's why i did like the brown skin girl thing for like um mclean because it's like the way black people or just people of color are like portrayed within the media like just because she was black and she didn't get up out of that desk it was like oh well she would have just listened to the police like why is it that for black people it's like you should just listen but if that was a white person it would have been like they were wrong they should never let their hands on her like all this stuff but for black people it's like oh you should have known better it's like this underlining thing of like you should have known better you should have did better but why is it that black youth always need to be on guard right and it's like so it's like media has normalized it mm -hmm. it's like you know like it's like a thing now that if something happens you know like with police brutality racism whatever it's like it we never tend to blame the white person it's literally the same thing with like arabs like if like if there's like a shooting or something and it's an arab person oh, it has to be a it's a terrorist oh, it's, it's a terrorist instantly but if it's like some white guy you know they're like oh maybe he's got like mental problems we gotta look into his family mm -hmm. history so it's just like there's always there's like media has allowed it has, has like given an outlet it's like sort of creating this narrative and has created this narrative for so long that like with you know with the white person in society they can get a second chance or, or they can be given more excuses and more breaks 
than people of color and minorities, and, and people of color and minorities kind of just have to like sit there and be like, you should have known better. Like you, it's been like this forever. You should be cautious. It's not really like geared toward what should we do about this. Like what should we change right now? It's more like how can I avoid this or you know not have to be put in that situation. But like that situation is everywhere, and it's like even if we don't notice it right away. It's being perpetuated around us, even if it, if it's subconscious, consciously, and so it's just like you have to sort of at some point push back, or you just perpetuate the story with like the narrative with like everything, everyone else. Yeah, to go on what you said, there was like a quote in the article that went something like, "Sometimes the media can make like the victim look like." the criminal and the criminal look like the victim or whatever. Yeah. Things. So like when you you were talking about how like oh it makes the um they try to like turn it on the victim but they also try to make well they, you were talking about how they make you sympathize with the person who did it if they're like yeah. white. Um and that reminds me of like one of the other articles that I think someone did for one of their mini lessons like last semester mm-hmm. where it was that guy that got sh- uh, shot in the car by the police officer and then they're me. like oh but it smelled like marijuana and it was, it was like yeah, it was what does that even have to do with getting shot why would some why should someone get shot for marijuana um even for if that marijuana. was the case yeah yeah, yeah. Like the, okay yeah it's like not even relevant to the case so it's just like there's so many examples that we could see and i think it would be cool if we brought those th- well not cool obviously no, not yeah. cool that they happened, but to bring that into our classroom and actually. My unit plan last semester for Dr. Miro was literally all just that. Different cases of, you know, young black kids who get caught up in these situations with police officers and there's this overuse of brutality and abuse and they usually end up dying. And there's, you know, the girl who was seven years old who was shot while she was sleeping or something like that, I'm pretty sure. What's her name? April or? I'm not uh, sure. And, you know, countless stories, Trayvon Martin, like... A six-year-old girl was arrested in September for having a tantrum at school because her vice principal wanted to press domestic charges. It's, like, crazy. And there's also... A six-year-old. And the cop had bragged. They found a recording of him bragging, like, I've arrested over 6,000 people. And he said to her, and you win as being the youngest one at six because the youngest person I ever arrested was seven. Why are you proud of arresting 6,000 black people? So not only should he... Six and seven-year-olds. He got fired, right? Not only should he have got fired, now they need to investigate every fucking case... Oh, sorry. Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Every case that he was on because now you know he's arresting people just off of their color. That's crazy. I didn't and even hear about it. how long did that go on for? You know what I mean? Like, for you to have gotten 6,000 people. That's insane. That's insane. And he kept track of it. It's almost sadistic. Like, it's really almost sadistic. It's like how serial killers keep mementos yes, of the people like they kill. He's like, trophies. let me keep a memento of every person of color I've ever arrested. Like, The younger, what? the better. That's insane. So, yeah. And, um... You know, and it's crazy. I didn't hear about that. Did you hear about that? that? <laughs> Where was that? You know, I, I saw mean? on. Um, they posted it on the shade room, and then I looked it up, and there was a CNN article. Yeah, do you, but like, like, do you see how that world? stuff like, is not brought to like the spotlight? Instead, we're caught up in like other things, and like you oh, know, what did like, Trump tweet today? Yes, like, yeah. It's just like ridiculous things because these situations, uh, those cases, highlight our weaknesses as a country. 
And I feel like that is never put on the spotlight, and that's why that stuff has never changed, and it's been a problem for centuries. Which brings up one of the questions that I wrote, which is, um, since these things aren't put at the forefront of the media, um, how can we have conversations <laughs> with, if there's people in our class that don't believe that like institutional racism or that police brutality are things that happen today? I think in a way, like, oh, that was also involved in kind of one of my questions, but I kind of posed it as, how do you, because in my clinical, it's like, um, everybody plans, me and Hannah talked about this, I hate it, because, like, I like the oh, support, everyone plans I hate it, together. everyone plans together, right. they all use the same materials and the same kind of lesson plans, like, it's just tweaked here and there, like, people kind of do, like, different variations, but it's the same thing, like, That's so boring we're all too. using the same essay prompts, I may just teach it a little different in each class but it's just slightly different and they did that because there would be teachers that would be doing better than others and they would come in and they would make every teacher sit on that and then as a collective they said that they didn't like that like you know having someone singled out and then everyone else feeling lesser but than. is there any diversity to it um i'm the only black person in no the i mean like diversity to the lessons like are they just like boring lessons or is there like different stuff being we've done argumentative we're doing argumentative essays and uh the topics are uh animal and captivity um screen time social media and contact sports they were not allowed to choose their topics there were no topics that dealt anything with race like the only people allowed to choose their topics were advanced classes so the classes that are filled with black and Hispanic or Latinx children, those were their four options. And they collectively, you know, created, they wanted to be forward, so they created padlets for each four. You know, each teacher created a padlet for the four. Uh, at and least then, yours is letting you guys use padlet. Mine isn't even doing that. That's too like, much. Like, no, that's what they did when they planned. So that's what I came in. Oh. So, like, each teacher had did a padlet for the four, and then the t- Students go to the Padlets, which shared within the Google Classroom, mm-hmm. and they go there to find sources because it helps them find valid sources mm-hmm. um, for, like, scaffolding. Mm-hmm. But they weren't allowed to, like, choose or go yeah. through the thing of teaching them how to find a valid source. And then uh. tell them, let's use Padlet, and then you could find sources that would be great for your, um, for your topic. And then share them all with me, and then I could check at night or something one class at a time yeah. who has good sources like you know like but that's what i'm saying like stuff like that like that challenge how do you wasn't there. how do you migrate this conversation within like a room where you're planning with multiple teachers mm-hmm. especially as like a new teacher who's in the game because my issue is like going in there i'm like she's gonna let me do mini lessons for writing prompts and i'm gonna put some black and latinx stuff <laughs> in there like i'm going to and like stuff like that like i'm sitting there and i'm in the room and like there was once I said something and they just shut me down. Oh. I was like, well, why don't you do a barometer activity and relate it to some current events? Or like, why don't we? And they were just like, yeah, that's nice. So I created this worksheet on uh, a unit plan a few years ago. And I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. But like, how do you migrate these conversations or get your colleagues also interested in this kind of work who have been teaching for 10 years or more? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get them interested in this work without, one, giving them the white savior complex, or two, mm-hmm. making them view their black and brown students as victims? Like, they're victims, but not don't see everybody as a problem. That's true. You know? I think it also has a lot to do with comfort zones, you know what I mean? A lot of people just don't want to step out of their comfort zone because, like, you know, sometimes they think, oh, like, I'm, like, I'm a white person, so how can I speak on these topics? And, like, you guys are, like, you know, 
like our fair share of uh, peers in our cohort have expressed like the same like fear and anxiety but it's like you know like you guys always talk about how if you don't like put yourself out there and like how do you expect your students to think critically and ask questions about these you know things that are very real real and apparent and that are happening around us and that directly affect them in all honesty because like even if you're, you know, like, if you inhabit a white body, odds are, like, if you're working in an urban society, or even just, like, any society, like, any, like, any sort of society that there's a school in, then you'll more likely than not have, like, black and brown bodies sitting in that classroom. So, like, the idea is, like, what do we do to reach those students? Because they're the ones who seem to be falling within the cracks, and how do we stop that? How long is that? <laughs> you got a good combo. Yeah. Oh, we're good. Or Shannon, do you want to touch on that? Like, I don't want to, like, uh, I don't want to be that person. But, like, you know, like, when they pose black questions and, like, you know, everybody touches on it, but they kind of look at the one black person in the room. You know, I'm looking at the one. And I'm not sending <laughs> you out. No, it's okay. It's okay. But do you ever, like, um, do you ever, like, feel that way? Yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel that way. Especially because I came from a school that was, like, primarily white. Right? Yeah. And then, like, we had a few immigrants, but... Well, immigrant students, but they were mostly from Europe and Asia. So even like that, so it's like, wow, like this was really like my first experience being open to it. And I'm glad that I'm going through a teacher ed program that does that because I honestly don't think I would have thought of any of this on my own. And I am scared to bring up the things and I always like don't want to do seem like the white savior thing. Like, oh, I'm bringing it up. I'm going to help them all do so much better. But like. I think by putting myself out there and like being vulnerable, being like, I still have questions, I don't understand, I can learn about your experiences from you, exactly. that helps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also think like I've noticed with the people in our cohort, I feel like we're blessed in our cohort, you guys don't see it as like, oh, I'm stable from what I hear. You don't see it as like, oh, I'm, well, with you. <laughs> um, you don't see it as like, oh, I'm saving people. I think like what I've, what I've heard you share, it's like, um, you're like, addressing these issues like it's not like i'm saving you but like let's address these issues that matter or relate to you you know like not like oh well i know that you know black people are really in the poverty rate yeah like, let's focus like i don't see you as being that teacher you know what i'm That's saying good. i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> if i am please uh, <laughs> intervene yeah. no but no, i always i always wondered and wanted to ask like do you ever kind of feel like like, this is reality, but ever feel kind of, like, targeted, like, targeted in a way where it's, like, um, you know, white people do this, and white people do that, yeah. and there's this issue and that issue, and, like, uh, just not how, like, how every black person doesn't feel, fit into stereotypes, like, black, yeah. like, there's different kind of black people within black. Not there's every stereotypes white person for everyone, oh, yeah. you know, feels like, into that stereotype. No, I feel that. I think, I think I know what you're asking me, and, like, what I do is, like, I separate, like, it's not a personal thing. Like, if people of color are sharing their the problems that they've had maybe from white people, it's not like, you're I'm white, white, you're person, bad, you're, you're uh, the person, you're the reason. Like, I just separate, like, my personal self from it, and I can acknowledge it. And, like, I think that the reason some people are so resistant is because they're like, oh, I'm white. Like, that means that they're saying I'm a bad person. Right. But you got to take yourself they out of it. Like, it's not, they're not talking about me. Yeah. It's an issue, and it exists. Yeah. So, that's how I... Very nice. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> I hope I said that in a way that makes sense. Thanks for closing us off. Uh, here you go, Dr. Mira. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. Watch. I bet you she's gonna. Uh, oh, let me end it. Bye, Dr. Mira. <laughs>